Welcome to Remembering What Matters Most, a podcast exploring what it means to live our lives based on what is most important to us. I'm your host, Susan McNamara, and today I'm with Patty Mari, friend and fellow educator. Welcome, Patty. Thanks. Good to see you. Nice to be here. Yeah, having another topic today on technology, and today we're going to look at using the ancient practice of mindfulness when it comes to how we use technologies. And this is such an enormous topic, Mm -hmm. whether it's learning mindfulness or how it is that we approach our use of the technologies. And so what I was thinking we could do today was just really focus on um, parent use, because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I know to be true for myself, but also for the parents that I work with is if we can figure out how to be in a balanced relationship with the technologies, we're going to then just naturally know what to do and what not to do with our kids. Absolutely. And I think this is a big enough topic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring it in a little bit. Mindfulness, right. technology with parents. Yeah. Right, to pick up just one of those threads. And so I just want to take a moment to just give a little bit of a backdrop on mindfulness. And so the definition that I use with my students comes from somebody named John Kabat-Zinn. And what he talks about mindfulness being is being present moment to moment without judgment. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I got keyed into mindfulness, I was actually in graduate school and I was doing an internship and I was working in a psych center. And one of the things that they did was to run groups for people who had either life-threatening illnesses or chronic pain that the, the traditional medical establishment just couldn't offer any ease with or, mm. or any help or support. Mm. And so these are people who are really struggling. Yeah. And so I was involved in something called the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we did was we taught people mindfulness, this idea of being present. And this idea of being present in that class really had to do with things like being present to your body, n- noticing different things. And I remember at the time people almost being angry at us, like, why would you have us pay attention to things that hurt yeah. to our bodies when this is exactly what we're trying to get mm-hmm. away from? That's a really good question. <laughs> it was huge. And it's really come to inform me ever since then, because why we were doing that was, when people would actually pay attention to the sensations in their bodies, they would discover a couple of things. So one of them might be something like, okay, so my pain's at a 10 when I wake up, which would say be the worst. But then actually by the time it's noon or one or two o'clock in the Mm -hmm. afternoon, I'm actually at a five, right? But sometimes we get so caught up in our minds that we don't actually realize or see that there are shifts. Then by paying attention, they would also begin to see where it was that they could intervene to um, alleviate some of the suffering that they were going through, whether that was physical or mental. And so one of the huge foundations around mindfulness. So if people aren't familiar with this concept, it does come out of the meditation traditions, but you don't have to be a meditator and you don't have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. You don't have to be any particular religion. No. It's just, this is like a, yeah, this is, so meditation is for everybody. Absolutely. And mindfulness. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's really, even if you do have a particular religious tradition, 
all traditions also have something about getting your mind in the present moment, which is sure. which is Think really about prayer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This because this is what we're trying to do is help what I'm trying to do in this moment is help parents to get their mind in the present moment mm -hmm. so that they can see clearly the choices that they're making around their technology uses because as we are the models for our kids and our kids are looking at us around everything that we're doing, mm -hmm. in my mind, we want to be clear about why it is that we're doing what we're doing. Right. And it sounds so simple, you know, getting our minds mm. in the present moment. But it is so difficult with life swirling around us, getting dinner on the table, getting the homework done, you know, getting the bath times done. It's so hard, I think, as a parent, especially if you have more than one kid, mm. to be in the present moment. Absolutely. Well, because it seems like always either there's something that you're pushing to get towards, which would put my mind in the future mm -hmm. that tonight I've still got to get these six things in before yeah. everybody's going to finally go to bed. Or maybe my mind is still stuck on some argument that I had with my spouse the night before mm, or, right. you know, a difficult uh, interaction at work. Yeah. And, and then, you know, as a yoga teacher, I know that you know this, but... That's the nature of the ordinary mind is that it tends to want to go into the future. So we have, I just heard someone saying recently, which I thought was such a great way of putting it, like, oh, you're just future tripping right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, right? All yeah. the ways that the mind will shoot out into yeah. the future. Or it can past trip too. Absolutely. <laughs> It'll go to the past. Yes. And I just heard a really cool quote the other day that the breath is not a good time traveler. So the breath is mm. always in the present moment. Mm. So even though our minds do tend to uh, future trip or past trip, the breath can only be in the present moment. That's right. Well, just like our bodies can only be in the present moment, just like um, the interactions that we're having our children can only be in the present moment, mm -hmm. and just like our use of the technologies can only be in the present mm. moment. That's a good point. Yeah, because we, we often get so caught up that our bodies or our breath is in one space and time, but our minds are either mm. out in front of us or we're dragging up what happened in the past. And what I've seen in my own life personally, along with the parents that I work with, is if your mind is not in the present moment when you're deciding about which technologies you're going to use, you are going to get pressured into mm. using something that may or may not actually fit with the present moment. Yeah. And that's why I love using, I use this all the time with my college students that we learn and we practice mindfulness. And then I don't tell them a single thing about what to do or what not to do. I just, the homework assignment is that they practice mindfulness with their technology use. And they discover so many things. They discover, for instance, how often they use it to avoid encounters with other people. They often discover how their anxiety or their depression ticks up when they're in front of a screen a lot, how much time they're wasting, how afraid they are to be without. I mean, it is truly endless what they wind yeah. up discovering. Well, I feel like it's just this grand illusion that we're really all under that. The more, you know, text um, bleeps our phone emits, you know, the more connected we are. But it's just that's kind of a shallow connection. And I think what we really, really need to do is connect more face to face mm -hmm. through deep conversations and 
and good solid connections that way. You know, I think we're sort of losing that. And it's it's that's a little sad. It, yeah. Not to bring the not to bring this conversation down, but yeah, no, it is sad, and and I think that this is such a good point. It just for me that links up to what I was saying in the beginning about working with people who were in a lot of pain, a lot mm -hmm. of mental suffering because of their physical conditions, and so you would think that the best thing to do would be to just get out of that to yeah. either deny it or yep. to distract yourself and and that might be an approach at times yeah but there's so much to be gained if we can turn towards what doesn't feel good if we can turn towards the sadness the frustration the emptiness the hollowness the loneliness and that's going to be what then is going to get us to make a change I, I see this all the time with my college students that they at first don't want to go into that place. Yeah, it's they, painful. It is painful, or it's painful. Like a big one is the way that they'll often talk about when they're out with friends and everybody's on their phone. And even when they don't want to be on their phone, they feel like a loser because nobody's really paying attention to them if they're yeah. the only one not on it. And That's kind of lonely if all of your friends are around you on their phones and you're just sitting there and you came out, pr presumably, to be among, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in a social environment and it's really sad when all of your friends are on their phone when it, you're sitting right there next to them it is because we we want to belong we want to mm -hmm. be with one another yeah and one of the questions that i'll often ask them is what does it feel like when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and somebody's more interested uh with what's happening on their phone and there's this always this sort of deadly <laughs> awkward silence in the room because everybody is feeling it but nobody yeah. really wants to speak it and at some point somebody will say the words that everybody's feeling but nobody really wants to speak out loud which is when that's going on it makes me feel like I don't matter it makes me feel like they don't actually care about me and so that's a great example of if we can, as parents, be paying attention, being mindful to our own use, to be noticing those moments where we're maybe just being addictively drawn to it or obsessively, we, we know we should get off, but we can't get ourselves off. It is only by tapping into those places that we're usually trying to avoid that can then become the catalyst for us to make a different choice. Yeah, because, you know, if you can imagine how a kid's going to feel oh. if they're trying to get their parents' attention and the parent is on a device, you know, and I wonder sometimes if that's where behavioral issues come in is when kids don't feel um, like they're getting the attention they need and then the, you know, behavior will ramp up. And we see this in the school setting, Um more and more, I think, because I think there's less parent-child interaction than there probably ever has been because it's just so easy to, like, look on the phone or look at the iPad or, or whatever it is. Right, and, and to not see it through the eyes of a child. Yeah. So the eyes or the, the not the eyes, but the the rationale of the adult would be, I need to answer this email, mm -hmm. I need to check this thing, I need to go to this text, but we're not seeing it through their lens. And their lens is, I'm turning little one face up to look to my parent to show them something that I've done or to say something to them or to ask them a question and I'm looking at the back of a device or I'm looking at their distraction and it, it always puts me in mind of 
this experience that I had. This was probably three or four years ago when I was walking through a parking lot and I could hear a little one babbling. You know that age when they just are getting words and just sort of stringing them together in a sentence and just I could hear the excitement and I could hear the babbling and I looked over and I could see that this little boy was pointing to something in the tree and at first I couldn't see the parent and I heard him and I heard him in this really robotic tone of voice he kept saying oh interesting very interesting. And when I looked, I saw that he was completely engaged with something that he was doing on his phone. And he totally was missing the fact that his son was trying to share this moment with him, like really excited. And so you begin to wonder, how many of those experiences does a kid have to have before they stop trying, before they stop feeling like the parent has any interest in them whatsoever? Mm. And then before they actually want their own phone, because that's where it's all all at. Exactly. So how do parents become more mindful around this? Because this is really powerful stuff. It is powerful. And and I've found personally, so it's been something that I've been teaching now for 20 years. But more importantly than that, it's something that I practice. And it's absolutely changed my life and my relationships because when I am more present, and I found this with my own kids, and it's the same thing with my students too. When I'm present, I'm looking at and able to be with who's in front of me without either thinking there's someplace better to get to something else I should be doing because my mind is in the future, or that I can be clear with them because I'm not thinking about something in the past. And this doesn't mean that I never have future or past thoughts. So this is not the goal. The right. goal well, I think we all do. We do. The mind is a great time traveler. So we it is. all have that. It's happening constantly all the time. Yeah. And so with mindfulness, that's why the being present moment to moment, the without judgment part is so important mm-hmm. because the mind will go to the past. Mm-hmm. It will go to the future. The real deal, the real power in this, though, is to be present, to notice when that happens. So for instance, if I'm a parent and I'm with my child, let's say we're at home and I'm in the kitchen. So I have a couple of choices. I can keep responding to my phone every time something pings, Mm -hmm. or I can be aware that my daughter just got home from school and she's trying to tell me something about her day. And it's a way for us to connect and a way for me to get to know more about her. And so when I'm thinking about using mindfulness with the technologies, I'm paying attention to everything. I'm paying attention to things like, what are the thoughts that are telling me I need to get back to this? When do I have that feeling like, there's something else I want or I should be doing, but I can't seem to pull away. What's happening to my body? Have I been sitting in front of a screen for so many hours that my back is killing me, my eyes are strained? So in mindfulness, it doesn't matter what you pay attention to. You just want to be paying attention to anything that's going on in the present moment. And so as a parent, that could also include that my daughter is telling me something, my phone rings, and I look over to it, or I pick it up. And then I notice her response to that. Mm. Well, and one really simple thing, too, I think, unless we're, you know, waiting for a really important phone call, there's probably certain times of the day, we can just choose to turn our phones off. You know, my daughter's coming home from school at three o'clock, I'm going to turn that phone off for the the first hour that she's home. 
so that I can really pay attention, listen to her, tell me about her day at school, you know, check in about homework, get the snack, maybe spend some time outside, you know, have that. I think we have to have sacred times during the day. Maybe it's dinner time where the phones are just turned off. That's right. It's a powerful thing what mm-hmm. you're describing is to draw some clear boundaries. Mm. And that is not an easy thing to do because no. everything about our devices, which is you know a whole other podcast, but <laughs> it is. is the persuasive design aspect where millions and millions of dollars have been spent by people who are masterful at understanding human nature, human psyche, human behavior to get us to keep coming back to those devices. And so it takes a really clear intention to make that choice to decide I'm going to put this away so that I can be present. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with you more that one of the best ways for parents to start as they're just paying attention to their own use, what pulls them there, what draws them there, when are they there, when there's really something else that needs tending to in their lives, but is to draw those specific times. And and one of my... um, I would say the places that I found most important with my kids. And so whether you're there when they first get home from school or not, whatever is that first time that you're seeing Mm. them Mm -hmm. after everybody's been out, it is so essential for the way that the family comes together, for the attunement of their family, for everything else to be cleared away so that there is that time where everybody gets to decompress and recharge and reconnect and I just think what you said was just right on, that we right. we put them away at those times. Yeah, because you're right, because it's like um, a lot of parents work. I know I did. Um, and so it's like, okay, what is our time when we all come together as a family? And it's so, so important, you know, to to reconnect. So, yeah, just I think that, you know, phones are so cool. There's so many cool tools. I love my camera on my phone. I love my calendar. You know, I love being able to connect with my friends wherever I am. But however, it is a tool that we choose when we are going to use it and when we are not. That's right. Because, you know, for me, the question always comes down to, are we serving it or is it serving us? Who's in charge here? And the mindfulness is just a really great way to start to get a sense of that and and to really I really want to underscore here that if you do start to pay attention to how you're using your devices it's very likely that you are going to run into places that don't feel good to you and might just downright feel icky and if you can suspend judgment you're going to go a lot further to making changes that make sense to you. Because if we judge ourselves, what usually ends up happening is we feel so bad that you just want to shut down whatever it is that you're experiencing. You want to turn away from it. You want to deny it. It takes a lot of courage to stay open to yourself. And yet this is what our kids need from us. They need a certain level of courage on our part to look at this thing really squarely in the eye. You know, the technologies are so incredibly, incredibly powerful. And whether that power is used for the good or for the ill is really going to come out of what we as parents are modeling for our kids. Mm. Yeah, it takes courage and it also takes reflection, self-reflection. It does. And you know, as we're talking, and again, this is just one of those topics where it feels like we could be talking for hours about this, but I do want to wrap it up at this point to just say that 
if this is something that's of interest to you, is to spend a couple of weeks just noticing yourself. That's it. Just as if you were watching yourself on stage to just... Mm. Notice how you use, what brings you there, what gets you there. If it's hard to come off, um, you know, the little hits that you'll feel when you hear something come in, that little ping sound, to just watch yourself and notice. Don't make any uh, changes. You don't have to change a single thing. Like, just spend the first, I would even say two weeks, just observing yourself like you're doing a little experiment, Mm -hmm. making a little discovery and, and seeing what it is that you find. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good first step. That's a good first step. (laughs) Yeah, on a very enormous topic, but um, we will continue because I I can see that the mindfulness and the work that I've done with myself and with other people is really a great foundation when we're talking about something that has such an influence in our lives right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So I want to say thanks, Patty, for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great. And as always, when we can remember what matters most, we create lives that we can feel good about and that serve as a contribution to the world. If you'd like to hear more about what I do, please go to thefarmatavalon.org, and you have to spell out the A-T, and that's A-V-A-L-O-N. Or if you'd like to look at my blog, you can go to medicineforthepeople.com, and the four is the number four. That blog has a number of topics on it, all from everything from uh, children and technology to the body to nature. So until next time, namaste. Namaste.